Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to Get Your Goat. There's a lot in store, a lot to get into. NFL breaking trade that just happened. What's going on in the NBA? National championship game tonight between Baylor and Gonzaga. Who has the edge? New hires, NHL, MLB, opening day, and weekend behind us. What looks on top? Much more ahead as well. Let's get right into it. The New York Jets have traded quarterback Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers for a 2021 six-round pick, so a six-round pick this year, and their next year's second and fourth round pick. Overall, I don't think anybody wins this trade. I really don't. Uh, I think Sam Darnold is the clear winner of this trade. But I don't think the Jets won this trade. I don't think the Carolina Panthers won this trade. I was bamboozled when this trade was dropped. Uh, I think it's great for Sam Darnold. I'll start off by saying that because he gets the fresh start that he needs somewhere else. Obviously, we'll get into some of his stats and whatnot, but he was not a good quarterback since he was drafted. They were Jets were very high on him. A lot of teams were very high on Sam Darnold. He was the third overall pick in the 2018 draft, ahead of players like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Uh, but he gets the start he needs because he did not pan out as well as well as he hoped, as well as the Jets hoped, coming out of USC where he was a really solid quarterback who looked really good and showed a lot of NFL potential. But he did not live up to it. Uh, and then when you're in New York, you know, the media capital of the world, marketing capital of the world, uh, the New York Post, New York Times, uh, going off on you, uh, People telling you how, you know, you're not good. Don't they don't want you in New York anymore? You're getting booed. Uh, it's just not a good situation. So this is a great start going to a high-profile New York team to a you know more middle of the class, middle of the pack, Carolina Panthers. So hopefully it works out for them. But the Jets spent a first-round pick on Sam Darnold. Not just any first-round pick, but the third overall. Only players I believe they didn't get was Baker Mayfield, who was picked number one by the Browns, and then Saquon Barkley, number two by the New York Giants. So after that, Carolina or the New York Jets had a ton of room to kind of draft the best player they thought available. That was Sam Darnold. Uh... We now know that wasn't the correct pick. They passed on a man named Josh Allen, who just took another New York team, the Buffalo Bills, to the AFC Championship game in his third year. In the MVP conversation is Josh Allen. That must hurt the Jets. That must really hurt the Jets. They didn't do their due diligence enough on him. Wasn't high on him enough to get drafted. And then who else did they pass up on? Uh, With a 32 pick, the Baltimore Ravens selected Lamar Jackson. Passed on him for Sam Darnold. Lamar Jackson, we know, last year won league. MVP uh, broke all kinds of records uh, for a quarterback in terms of passing and rushing combined in total yards. They passed on two great quarterbacks and other talent that was there with the third round pick, but they wanted a quarterback. They thought Sam Darnold was the man, so they spent their first round pick, a third overall, and they didn't even get a first back for Sam Darnold, which you know they weren't going to get uh, because Sam Darnold is not a good quarterback. Sam Darnold... Last year was the worst 
quarterback among all quarterbacks. Uh, you could say, you know, you know, this bench person is worse than uh, Sam Darnold, and that could be the case. But Sam Darnold had the worst passer rating among 35 qualified quarterbacks last season. He tallied two wins last year and 10 losses, a completion percentage just shy of 60% at 59. Passing yards per game is 184, uh, which isn't good at all. Uh, touchdowns, 9. Interceptions, 11. Passer rating, which was the worst, at 72.7. I believe a perfect passer rating is 158.3. Uh, Sam Darnold was not close to that at all. Uh, in three seasons, he went 13-25, and 25, 13 wins, 25 losses, 45 touchdown passes, 39 interceptions, almost, you know, a one-to-one ratio. Uh, and his career passer rating is, we know, we know last year I said it's 72.6 or 7. Uh, his career passer rating is 78.6, which is dead last since he came in to the NFL. Uh, he really has had nothing going for him at all. Uh, that's why the Jets couldn't get you know, a first round. They got a sixth round uh, this year. But I am shocked that they got a second round next year. I thought you know, it, you know, the highest draft pick a team would get for Sam Darnold would be a third round pick. But they got a second and a fourth next year, which is a decent haul for the Jets. Yes, they have to live with the fact that they drafted Sam Darnold and they can't go back in time and draft any of those other quarterbacks. But that's life. That's what happens. Jets probably won this trade if you had to give an edge out uh, because now the Jets have the number two overall pick. It's looking like they will pick Zach Wilson out of BYU and, you know, replace Sam Darnold. They're in the quarterback market. They were not high on Sam Darnold anymore. So they shipped into the Carolina Panthers. And I thought the Carolina Panthers was a surprising place for him to get sent off to. Uh, why would you ask that? Well, because the Carolina Panthers have Teddy Bridgewater, who I believe is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. Yes, uh, one may argue that, you know, Sam Darnold looks like he has a better arm. Uh, better arm talent, better passing, whatever. But, you know, this worst quarterback, worst passer rating. Uh, maybe he has some of the mechanics there, but Teddy Bridgewater doesn't. Maybe a little bit more of a flash, but Teddy Bridgewater doesn't. Because Teddy Bridgewater is no, you know, second coming of Tom Brady or Joe Montana by any means of imagination. But I definitely believe Teddy Bridgewater is a better bridge quarterback if they want to... Uh, draft a quarterback and have kind of a mentor there. I thought Teddy Bridgewater would be one better than Sam Darnold. Uh, Sam Darnold's young, not good. Yes, uh, he really had not much going with him to the Jets because the Jets are just a terrible organization. We can see if he'll get it turned around uh, with their new head coaching hire. I forget his name at the moment, but you know, with the Jets, Sam Darnold undergoed multiple head coaches, multiple different systems, didn't have a true number one wide receiver or a number one running back. Offensive line wasn't great. Uh, so you can see he really did not have the help to succeed at all. Uh, so they kind of threw in the towel. Uh, and we'll see what Sam Darnold does with the Panthers. I don't expect him to start with the Panthers. I don't expect him to beat out Teddy Bridgewater. And if he does, I don't see the Carolina Panthers winning much games. I think they should trade up for a quarterback, get a quarterback, if they like the draft class or quarterbacks, or if they want to wait till next year. But I believe if the Carolina Panthers start Sam Darnold, yes, they have a, you know, a, you know just a barely improvement at offensive line. They have a Number one wide receiver in DJ Moore, uh, deep threat in Robbie Anderson. They have a good running back uh, as well in Christian McCaffrey. So maybe they think that, you know, Sam Darnold could provide something that Teddy Bridgewater didn't. 
but I don't believe that. I believe if Sam Darnold is the quarterback, they're not a 500 team, they'll end up with another you know, top 5, top 10 pick at the highest. But if you're in Sam Darnold, you know, you're not really in terrible, terrible company yet. Yes, right now you are a bust. But that's not a bad thing because busts are remembered. Uh, draft busts, you know, are just a thing. Uh, but your name is not synonymous with the word bust like Ryan Leaf was. Uh, Ryan Leaf was the quarterback drafted second overall. First was Peyton Manning to the Colts. Second was Ryan Leaf uh, to the San Diego Chargers, I believe. And after three seasons, they were done with him. Behavior issues, health issues, never lived up to the pick that he was. Uh, Tim Tebow, another, I think, multiple winning Heisman quarterback out of the University of Florida. National championship uh, spread. You're going to put the spread offense into the NFL uh, you're going to run these RPO type plays. That didn't work out for him. I don't think he was given a 100% fair chance, though. But nonetheless, he did not work out. Jamarcus Russell, great quarterback out of LSU, going drafted to the Raiders. He didn't work out. Johnny Manziel might be the biggest bust of all time. He might be up there with Ryan Leaf. One could definitely make an argument how high-profile he was in college at Texas A&M with Mike Evans and the play style that he had. Maybe this would be the time that that kind of quarterback would work out for the NFL. Drafted by the Cleveland Browns. But that was not the issue. Yes, the Browns were a terrible franchise when they drafted him. They were terrible when they left. Johnny Manziel did nothing there. And a lot of it was off the field issues. He could not stay on the field. And it wasn't even health. It was just personal problems, which is sad. But then I did mention two quarterbacks that were selected after Sam Darnold, uh, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen, who are having stellar, stellar careers. Uh, You look at Josh Rosen, who was also drafted after Sam Darnold. And to me, he is the biggest bust of a quarterback so far from that draft class. So at least Sam Darnold does not have that kind of uh, resume yet. He was picked by the Cardinals in 2018, I believe, with the 10th pick. First overall, Cardinals thought, this is our guy. Guess what? The following year, they said, nope, we're hiring Cliff Klingsbury. He likes Kyler Murray more. We're shipping you to the Miami Dolphins. Started with the Dolphins for a bit, played a few games, wasn't didn't do well at all, then ended up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice squad, then as a backup, I think third string for the San Francisco 49ers. So he is a true, true bust who really didn't live up to his. Yes, you can say that the stats there were are with Sam Darnold. That's because Sam Darnold had more playing time than Josh Rosen. I, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen only really has 16 career starts, but again, 3-13. and 13. I think if he were to have as many starts as Sam Darnold, if he was in that situation in New York, he'd be just as bad or worse than Sam Darnold. So to me, I take Sam Darnold over Josh Rosen. Definitely is a good thing. Your name is not synonymous with those bust teams yet, or bust players, I should say. But we'll see how this works out. Definitely good for Sam. Sam must be happy to leave New York, go to a different team. So we'll see how that all works out and shifts for him. Now, moving on. To the NBA, power rankings came out today for ESPN. We have the, you know, you can look at the standings and look at the top 10, top 20, top 5, whatever. But I'm going to give you my NBA top 5 and why. Number 5, I believe, is the Milwaukee Bucks. Why? 
They're on a little two-game win streak. They just secured Drew Holiday to a four-year, $160 million extension. I think Drew Holiday is having a great year this year, averaging 17 points a game, uh, four rebounds, five assists. He kind of is that true point guard that was missing on the Bucks to play point, uh, manage the floor. He's that guy. He's playing, you know, 31, 32 minutes a game. He's playing at a really, really high level and defensively as well. He's tenacious. He is a really, really good defender. That free agent signing helped and now extending him. This keeps him with the Bucks for another few years, keeps the core together with him, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Chris Middleton. They had their prize set on the NBA championship, which I like. They acquired pieces for Giannis. They went out, spent some money, kept the game together to try to run it multiple times to the championship. Yes, they have stiff competition in their conference, but in their division, to me, they should be sure locks. Uh, they're winning games. They are scoring a ton of points. They're scoring at a very high rate. I believe they do need to improve their defense. The defense is there uh, with the Geek Freak, with Drew, uh, with Chris Middleton. They definitely have defensive guys that can play. A two-way game is kind of just harnessing and playing at that high level. Number four was tough. Number you know numbers four to two were tough, but I had to go with the Phoenix Suns at number four. Why? Well, they're on a five-game winning streak, and they're also playing at a really high level. Just had a few close games in their one game in April. They blew the brakes off of the Oklahoma City Thunder. 140 to 103. Devin Booker dropping 45 and 32 in back to back games. Chris Paul double double in points in assist. This team is playing really, really well. And to me, they have a lock on the second seed in the West. Very tough West. Western Conference, but they're scoring a ton, a ton of points. Their defense is pretty good. Uh, they have so much young, young talent mixed in there with, you know, one of the greatest point guards of all time, it Chris Paul. That signing definitely helped, definitely did wonders for this team more than a lot of people thought that it would. A lot of people thought, you know, they'd be improved, but sitting at second, not only in the West, but in the whole NBA, in terms of your win-loss percentage. That's truly, truly great. I got to give props to the Phoenix Suns. Number three is the Brooklyn Nets. Why? Well, they were on a little streak of their own, I believe, uh, three or four games until they just dropped one. To the Chicago Bulls, now was surprising. I was going to put them at number two. But with that loss to the Bulls, I cannot do it. Kyrie Irving back. Uh, James Harden didn't play that one, but he should be back against the Knicks tonight, which I'll get into more in a second. Uh, but the Nets are also eyeing at KD, coming in healthy within the next week or so. With that back, that'll be truly set. And then you really have a month with KD, to get this roster down, uh, you know, Steve Nash, uh, to see the chemistry behind their five players or starting five, a rotation, see which guys can go which, minutes, all that. Having KD back for at least the final month, getting that continuity uh, for those players will be huge. That's why they're number three. Number two. The Philadelphia 76ers. Why? Well, they're still number one in the East. Yes, they have Joel Embiid back. 
They just dropped a game to the Grizzlies. But before that, they were on a couple-game winning streak of their own, playing at a really high level. Number one in the East with Joel Embiid out. During that time, when James Harden was playing at an MVP level, Philadelphia was able to stave off the Nets and the Bucks, who's also playing at a really, really high level. With this roster, they're compete to win. They are a great defensive team with Joel Embiid. And it's looking like we're on an East collision course in the Eastern Finals with the Philadelphia Sixers and the Brooklyn Nets. And with Joel Embiid back in that series, that gives them an AD or LeBron-esque player that Brooklyn cannot guard. Uh, Brooklyn can guard all other positions. Uh, I believe KD can shut down Ben Simmons. They can all play really well. But Joel Embiid is a mismatch. He's the one. Blake Griffin can't guard him. Uh, DeAndre Jordan can't guard him. LaMarcus Aldridge can't guard Joel Embiid. That's how good he is. He was in the MVP conversation, second in MVP voting, or second in the odds. And then came in first in the odds after LeBron was injured. Then Joel Embiid himself got injured. But they're going to be a very formidable opponent. Very tough. And I believe should be the favorites uh, in the East after the demonstration that they've been playing with without Joel Embiid back. But getting him back will truly help this team. And then number one, who's been number one all year long, which is the Utah Jazz. And after their little stretch mid-All-Star break, during the All-Star break, they have responded with nine wins in a row, uh, demoralizing those opponents. Most of those wins have been by double digits. They've beaten good teams during that stretch, uh, haven't flinched behind the likes of Donovan Mitchell. You know, dropping 28, Rudy Gobert averaging a double double, I believe, 15 and 10. Their offense is playing really, really hot. Right now, 117 points a game. Their defense, just as well to me. This is the team that we saw a couple months ago when they were on that 16 or 18 game winning streak. Playing so well. Joe Ingles also playing well for the Utah Jazz. Uh, They're holding their opponents to just 43% shooting. And for the most part, they are very healthy. Everybody's healthy. Mike Conley's the only one who's usually out for some rest. But other than that, in just you know, terms of rest, this team is very healthy going into the playoffs, which is huge. And to me, they kind of have the lock on the one seed for the next month. So that is my top five NBA teams. Number five, the Milwaukee Bucks. Number four, the Phoenix Suns. Number three, the Brooklyn Nets. Number two, the Philadelphia 76ers. And number one, the Utah Jazz. So I will pick just one NBA game tonight. And that is the Knicks and the Nets. A lot of talking going into this game. Battle of New York, Madison Square Garden, Barclays Center, down the road. Knicks. One of the Knicks players, I forgot which one, said, you know, we got the big five to the Nets' big three. Uh, The Knicks' big five, just referring to their starting lineup. The Nets' big three, of course, KD, uh, Kyrie, and James Harden. And then Julius Randle said, actually, it's the big 15. A lot of trash talking going on for the Knicks. You know, the Knicks, to me, are playing really, really well. Uh, We're seventh. In the conference right now, if they were to finish, they make the playoffs. They're definitely surprising. Better than I thought they would be at 500 record. Uh, but with them up and coming, with them talking trash before the game, I now expect the Nets to win, especially if Harden is playing. I would take the Knicks over the Nets without a healthy Harden. 
and KD over just a healthy Kyrie, no Harden, no KD. That's my only thing. That is why I have the Nets winning if you know Kyrie and James Harden are both playing. Nick's talking trash. Nets are going to respond for sure. Nets are playing really, really good at home. Knicks haven't been good within their division at all. But Julius Randle for the Knicks has been sensational all year long. Uh, averaging a double-double, 23-10. and 10. Uh, But yep, I have the Nets winning this game. Maybe next time, Knicks. Next time, don't open your mouth so fast. Yes. You're a good team, much improved, uh, but the Nets are a whole different type of competition, but I like their spirit. Now tonight is the college men's basketball championship between Gonzaga and Baylor. Who's going to win? What's going down? How did they get there? Well, Saturday, the Baylor Bears crushed, routed, demolished, whatever you want to say, to the Houston Cougars. Uh, I picked Houston wrong just because I didn't like Baylor. I didn't want to see Baylor win this game. Uh, the coach for Houston, I think Kevin Sampson, he was 22-0 and against Baylor. Never lost a game in his life to Baylor. I thought this is at least going to be close. Baylor could win it down the stretch. But it was close. But this game was not close at all. Baylor was up at half 45 to 20. You're down by 25 at half. That's not going to happen. This game to me was very reminiscent of Villanova's run in 2016, I believe. In the final four, they played uh, Oklahoma. And Oklahoma uh, had a star player. I forget uh, what his name was. But it was supposed to be close. It was a one versus two matchup. One Villanova, two. Uh, now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, number two, Oklahoma. And Villanova routed them as well. I think it was like 90-something to 50. Uh, more of a route than this. Uh, but Baylor got after his team very, very well. Uh, they defensively was so good. They held... Houston just 38% shooting on the day, while they themselves, Baylor, shot 52% from the field, 45% from three. Jared Butler with 17 points, five of their players in double digits, three of their starters, two of their bench players, and they really clamped down on Houston. Uh, Marcus Sasser was the only one to gain any kind of offensive rhythm. Uh, but Houston, known for out-rebounding its opponents, being the better defensive team, being more physical, that was not the case. Uh, Baylor out-rebounded them. Their uh, ball possession, their ball movement was way better defensively. They had more steals, uh, less turnovers. Uh, this Baylor team thoroughly dominated Houston. Uh, very surprising to me, but it seems like you have those matchups. And I remember the star player now for Oklahoma which was Buddy Heald. Uh, I think he won the Wooden Award that year. But nonetheless, Baylor won this game. Baylor represented the South, beat the Midwest in the Final Four, now is representing in the National Championship game. They made their way off a series of upsets. Uh, Teams they didn't play, Ohio State got upset. Uh, That was a team a lot of them had pegged Illinois was a team a lot of had pegged as well, Oklahoma State, West Virginia. But a lot of upsets this year. To me, Baylor had a kind of an easier path to a Final Four. But that's what happens. Baylor won. They're representing. Then, in the game after that, Gonzaga beat UCLA to advance to the national championship as well. And really was a thriller. An all-time great. Some people are calling it you know, the greatest college basketball game of all time, uh, the greatest shot in college basketball of all time, and which was a fantastic game. I had Gonzaga winning this game, 
but I was not going to be surprised if UCLA kept this close. I was telling my family, Johnny Juzang, UCLA, we saw what they did to Michigan. Michigan was a great opponent. Yes, they are my team. But I'll give anybody who beats Michigan the benefit of a doubt. I thought they played extremely well, and UCLA could have easily won this game. However, Johnny Juzang played great. I believe he's a 91% free throw shooter overall. Missed two huge free throws. That really hurt this team. I drew Timmy for the Gonzaga. Uh, played really well. And UCLA had no answer for him at all. Uh, the Bulldogs played really well. The Bears played really well. It wasn't only Johnny Juzang, but Jaquez, Riley, uh, their center forward. He played well. He got a ton of rebounds. Uh, Timmy played well. Jalen Suggs played well. Ie played really good. And to me, UCLA just really adapted because to me, Michigan was one of the best defensive uh, teams. UCLA said, we're going to match. Michigan, we're going to play really strong defensively, and which, you know, was 51-49. You say they win, and you say they almost doubled their points against the Zags. Uh, they doubled their points against Michigan on the Zags. Uh, Gonzaga is, to me, the best offensive team this past year, this year. And UCLA matched them shot for shot, run for run. Gonzaga just, you know, just efficient by one more percent from the field. However, UCLA was much more efficient from 347% to 33%. UCLA out-rebounded them. Uh, turnovers were the same. Fouls were the same. Uh, but Gonzaga took more shots. And really, it came down to Jalen Suggs making one of the craziest, one of the best Shots in college basketball history off the bank, running out of the court with like three seconds left. That was amazing. That shot, you know, is going to be a shot that is replayed every year, every March Madness for the next 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. That's how long it's going to be played. The only bummer was there was no fans. And yes, there's a little bit of fans, but there's hardly any. Uh, so, you know, he jumped out on the court. He said he wanted, you know, to be like Kobe Bryant. Dwayne Wade, he gets up on there, and he's looking at cardboard cutouts, screaming at nobody. Uh, that's the only thing. Uh, UCLA could have controlled Timmy, I believe, uh, at the end of the second quarter, the second half. Uh when Johnny Juzang was kind of going uh, for the win, got called with a charge. Don't believe that was a charge. Uh, I don't think it was a blocking foul either. It was. A, I thought it should have been a no call, but that there, you know, you know, Gonzaga got the offensive rebound. Uh, but you know, when we blow a whistle, you know, players kind of stop. So you don't know how those next three seconds play out. If you say like does something, but that was a great game, great college basketball game. It's very entertaining. Gonzaga won that matchup and beat UCLA. You have to give UCLA a lot of credit. Hung with a team that nobody thought they could hang in there with. 11 seed was in the first four, had to play a play-in. Nobody thought they could do that as well. I know I didn't. I have to give UCLA a lot of props, give them a lot of credit. Now Gonzaga is playing Baylor tonight for the national championship. Baylor and Gonzaga, two number one seeds, really the two best teams in the nation the whole year. Who has the edge? Well, right now, flat out, I'm going to tell you that I am picking Baylor. I'm rooting for the Baylor Bears to win. I want Baylor to win. Uh... I don't really like Baylor. I don't like their coach, Scott Drew, Wacko, Texas. Uh, but I'm rolling with the Bears 
because I do not want to see a team go undefeated. I don't. There's just something relishing about a team that loses and ends up just one short of a perfect season. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like the New England Patriots, uh, but when the Patriots lost in the Super Bowl and they had the perfect record, most people were happy about that. But the, yes, the Patriots are a different story. But I feel the same way, regardless of who it is, what it is. Yes, I like Mark Few, the head coach for the Bulldogs. Uh, I think they have a great roster, tremendous talent. But I just don't want to see Gonzaga have a perfect season. That's why I'm rooting for the Bears. That's why I'm pulling for the Bears. And I think this will be a tremendous matchup. Uh, Drew Timmy, Jalen Suggs, you know, against Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Mark Vidal for the Chicago Bears. And what will be a great, great matchup. Gonzaga, one of the best offensive teams in the country. The best to me. But Baylor, one of the best defensively. Uh, Baylor is going to rely on their defense like they did against Houston and try to stifle the Bulldogs. I think they can do it if they can contain Drew Timmy, stop Corey Kispert uh, from knocking down threes. I really do think Baylor can do it if they force turnovers, if they get after them, if they out-rebound them. Baylor will get this done even if the Bulldog players get their points, you know, if they don't commit turnovers if Gonzaga's the team turning the ball over. If they're out-rebounding him, getting those extra possessions, Baylor can do it. And I think Baylor has the players to do it. They had, uh, you know, a tougher division all year. Playing in the Big 12, to me, the second-best division conference in basketball. I think they're going to lean on that experience for trials they had to overcome to beat the Gonzaga Bulldogs tonight on picking the Bears. Then North Carolina hired assistant Hubert Davis to replace longtime coach Roy Williams of North Carolina. I think this is a great hire. They wanted to hire someone internally, someone they know. Hubert Davis, a longtime assistant of Roy Williams in that program. This is a good hire keeps UNC in the right direction. Then another college basketball news, this time women's. Uh, Stanford held on to beat the Arizona Wildcats at U of A in really what was a great game. Ari McDonald, uh, guard for the Arizona Wildcats, was tremendous best player in the tournament. By far had highlight after highlight. Watched that game yesterday. Arizona... Could have easily won. Uh, wasn't, to me, a good play call at the end. They kind of knew Ari McDonald's going to take that shot. They had her triple team. Triple teamed it for three. She could have done a pass or six seconds left, call a timeout. There was a lot. They could have went down. But in the end, Stanford won. Have to give Stanford credit. It's been a while since they've won. But to me, Arizona lost this game in the first quarter when they came out not looking themselves, especially Ari McDonald and this whole roster when they were down by eight points, 16 to eight. But after that, they were very composed, went on some runs of themselves in the second quarter. Uh, then Stanford finished off a third quarter strong, which hurt the momentum as well. But Arizona dominated the second half. In Arizona, after the first quarter, uh, they led Stanford in all quarters. Arizona outscored them in the remaining three quarters. It was just that big hole they had to overcome in the end of the first quarter, and then again at the end of the second quarter. But I have to give U of A a lot of credit. Ari McDonald, the coach uh, Barnes, uh, this team played tremendous, and it was quite, quite a run. Nobody thought they could do it or be there. have to give them a ton of props. Now in the NHL, I will pick two games tonight. The first is the Oilers and the Canadians. I'm rolling with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Connor McDavid is too good. Uh, Dreisaitl is too good. 
I just don't have much faith in the Montreal Canadiens at all. But, you know, they start off so hot. And then now they're kind of leveled off and they're cooler in fourth place in the North Division when it was kind of them in Toronto early in the beginning. Uh, I have to roll with the Edmonton Oilers. Then the Avalanche in the Wild. I'm picking the Wild. The Avalanche have been very, very hot uh, recently. Offense, defense, uh, they've won four in a row. Uh, Minnesota has just beat Vegas twice, though. They're playing really well. Kaprizov is a fantastic rookie, probably win you know, rookie of the year uh, in NHL. But I got the Wild winning. It's in Minnesota. Minnesota's a good home team. Uh, so I'm rolling with the Wild. They want to get up there with Vegas an inch closer to that number one seed. So I'm rolling with the Wild. In really in surprising news, you kind of look at these divisions and the Central. You know, to me, you know, the number one team is Florida. Which is, you know, very surprising to me. That's probably the most surprising is actually seeing them do that well. But you look at the rest of the division and it's, you know, kind of expected where we're at. Tampa Bay high, Carolina high, you know, Nashville, Dallas, Chicago all in the mix. And the East, you have your plethora of teams doing well. Washington, New York's, Pittsburgh, Boston, Philadelphia. North, it was expected Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, file and the rest. West, Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota. Now, Blues aren't that good this year, and I thought many people thought they'd be better, including myself. But you have Arizona Coyotes is the fourth spot to me, which is very surprising uh, to me because they are, the playoffs were to end today, they would be in the playoffs uh, before they played the Avalanche, and I think they'd get beat. But to me, they'd be the worst team in the playoffs five on five goal scoring I think they're you know second lowest they're you know just barely right above the Sabres in that which is not good at all on even strength goals uh they're there at a minus 14 goal differential uh they don't play a well style of hockey at least to me at all uh their best defenseman Oliver Ekman Larson is minus 12 on the year, which is very surprising. It's, you know, worst, worst for the whole team. Uh, you know, this great defenseman they thought he was. You know, you have other defensemen, Goligowski, Chikorin doing much better. Clayton Keller and Connor Garland. And a plus, only a plus three, though, which is not good. And you kind of have your big guy, uh, you know, Dvorak and Kessel down there at minus four and minus six. Uh, but this team doesn't even have a 20 goal scorer yet on their team. 15 is the most at Kessel. Uh, Keller has the most assists at 18, and he has the most points at 29. Uh, but this team, to me, is not a good team. They're not fun to watch unless they're in a shootout. And, you know, it's Christian Dvorak, who I think is 4 for 4 on the year. Uh, but to me, they have to win more games, win more convincingly against the top teams. It's like they're splitting their games against, you know, the lower competition, the Kings. The Blues, the Sharks, Ducks. And then when they get to that tough competition like the Avalanche, Wild, and the Knights, they're getting blown out. So that's just something to look out for. Then in the MLB, my New York Yankees play the Orioles today. I think they'll win. Uh, Jordan Montgomery's pitching. I think he's great. He's coming back after... uh, Tommy John surgery, I think he'll do really well. Uh, but the Yankees dropped two to the Rays. I mean, to the Blue Jays, my bad. Uh, which I thought they wouldn't. I thought they'd at least win two. They lost two. Gary Sanchez looks like their best player so far. He's a home run hitter. So far, uh, Orioles have swept. But the Tampa Bay can look better. I thought Garrett Cole could have played just a touch better. I thought Kluber did all right, uh, but he could have done better in his first start. Domingo Herman was not good. Uh, yesterday, Mike King coming off uh, in the bullpen was tremendous, but we'll see. It's only you know three games out of 100 and 
62 so we can see where everything's at. But the O swept the Red Sox, which is huge. Uh, Astros swept the A's. Very surprising. It looks like they're trying to come back after uh, last year where there's kind of no fans of attendance, no heckling. Uh, A's really getting after the Houston Astros. Uh, I think this is more of their, you know, time to prove it to other people. I think Houston's going to do it in a, what looks like a weaker division. Uh, but the Angels could be right behind them. Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, they look good in their first few games. But Houston can match that with Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, uh, Carlos Correa, which should be a fun West battle if Mike Trout can stay healthy, if Shohei Otani can stay healthy. If not, this will be the Astros division easily. The Philadelphia Phillies swept the Atlanta Braves. I thought that was very surprising. Even without the prowess, the home run hitting of Bryce Harper, the pitching was phenomenal for the Phillies. Joe Girardi calling, managing a great game. Has his players, um, Andrew McCutcheon, playing well. Their all-star catcher, JT Realmuto. Uh, Didi Gregorius. This is a really good Phillies team. If their pitching can hold up, if their bullpen can hold up, Joe Girardi might have something to say about a very stacked East NL teams with them themselves, the Phillies, with the Nationals, the Mets, and the Braves. Not all those teams can make it. So that'll be very, very surprising. But MLB is back. That's fun. The Twins crushed the Tigers today, 15-6. to Good, because I don't like the Tigers because of A.J. Hinch on there at all. And that's it for sports. That is it. Well, we'll save my get your goat take for about five minutes from now, because I'm going to get into some movies, some shows, some trailers. Uh, I went to see Godzilla vs. Kong the other night, and... It was not good. I did not like that movie at all. Uh, I did like the action. I liked, you know, the King Kong part especially. Uh, but to me, and I kind of like the Hollow Earth theory, but, you know, that could also be a bit much. Uh, and then the whole subplot with Millie Bobby Brown as Madison and the other uh, two people there, to me, it was not... Uh, really thought out well it wasn't really good you know really the action there was less of it than I thought it would be you know you had this big fight build up on the boats on you know in Hong Kong but it, to me it kind of just fell flat but nonetheless it's nice to have movies back nonetheless uh but to me its predecessors were much better much thought out you know the build up to this was much better than the finished product in other news, the Loki trailer, new Loki trailer, dropped today. That looks fantastic. Loki, Tom Hiddleston, Owen Wilson, part of a TVA, uh, kind of going on this, you know, buddy mission to, you know, take the time stone back, fix all these alternate realities that Loki created. Uh, looks like Lady Loki might be in there, Black Widow, uh, from the looks of a trailer. A lot of time traveling will be happening, it looks like, to repair those branches. But it looks great, you know, Owen Wilson, as funny as he is, looks funny in this trailer. You know, can't trust Loki and all the backstabbing he's done as he's seen all the backstabbing take place firsthand as he's been watching him all this time. That's tremendous. This show looks really, really good. Uh, but the current Marvel show is Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, which once you get to me, I didn't, wasn't a fan of the first you know, episode or two, but this third episode to me. Really picked up with Zemo and the cast of Civil War. Looks like, you know, Civil War 2.0, which I like. So much more promise for this show. Uh, but, you know, to me, Loki looks like the next big one. After the craziness that happened in WandaVision, Loki looks amazing. Then you also had the SAG Awards yesterday. It was a one-hour pre-tape special. Uh, and, you know, you had the usual 
winning suspects, you know, which you thought, you know, Anya Taylor-Joy for Queen's Gambit, Mark Ruffalo, Catherine O'Hara, Schitt's Creek, Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso, you know, kind of those both, you know, to me, but one surprising. Uh, Jason Bateman for Ozark beat out Josh O'Connor for The Crown. That was very surprising. Uh, Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Went to Yo Jung Yoon for Minari, which I thought was very deserving. I thought she should have won, uh, but she had stiff competition because of Maria Bakalova, one of the critics' choice. Uh, Glenn Close had a little bit of uh, momentum, Olivia Coleman, but after watching The Father last night, I can see why Olivia didn't win to me. Yo Jung Yoon for Minari is the best candidate. I hope she goes on to win the Oscar as well. That was amazing. Daniel Kaluuya, of course, the usual suspect. Outstanding performance by a female actor, leading actress. I thought it was another snub slash surprise. Viola Davis got it for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yes, she had a tremendous transformation. was great, but to me, the movie wasn't about her. The movie was really about Chadwick, and really the cast behind it wasn't about Ma or Viola Davis. Uh, when you look at those candidates, same with Amy Adams, it was really split between all those and Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, she was a four-star. Frances McDormand in Nomadland was a front star. And to me, Carrie Mulligan, a promising young woman, is the film. Uh, she makes the film. I was very surprised that she didn't win. thought she should have won. Yes, I've been campaigning for her all season long. But she is the best. She should have won. Then, of course, Chadwick won. And the outstanding performance by cast was, to me, going to go down between Trial of the Chicago 7. Minari, I was pulling for Minari, is, to me, that's just a great, fantastic movie. So I wasn't surprised when Trial of the Chicago 7 won. That's had a lot of momentum as well. Uh, and it was also deserving as well. So that's that. So my Get Your Goat take is this, and I know I've mentioned it in my prediction, but this is also going to be my prediction for the MLB championship. I do not think the Yankees are going to make it out of the AL. I think the Houston Astros are going to represent the AL. I don't think New York Yankees have it in them. Specifically Aaron Boone, which I'll probably get into every time I'm on this show about my dislike for Aaron Boone and his management. The Central Minnesota Twins can't do it. Baltimore's too inexperienced. It's going to be Houston representing. And then the NL, you have a stack load of teams between the Dodgers, Padres, Phillies, Nationals, Mets, Braves, all those teams besides a weak Central. I think the Padres are going to represent. I think it's going to be San Diego and Houston. And I think San Diego's going to win behind the likes of Manny Machado and Tatis, in which would be a thrilling series. Would I prefer the Mets or the Phillies? Yes. But that's what I have going down. There'll be more MLB talk on this show going forward. Again, happy Monday to you all. Hope you all have a great week. I will talk to you all again soon. Bye, everybody.